This is Opinionated. I don't really have a full understanding of it, but that won't stop me from having an opinion. That's why we're here. Join Features Editor Ben Schiller and reporters Anna Batakova and Danny Nelson. You know, crypto is no longer just about money. It's about culture now. It's like you're thumbing your nose at the process. Part of politics and part of sports and part of gaming. And it's not just the future of money anymore. As they push the conversation further with their own criticisms and reactions to the latest Bitcoin and crypto news from around the world. It believes crypto is bad and it wants it out. I'm even old enough to remember when Microsoft was a kind of cool company in Silicon Valley. Ben, you're old enough to remember when telegrams came over a wire under the sea. (laughs) And just a reminder... Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Hello, this is... Oh, come away. Let's do that again. That was the dud of a hello. Okay, all right. Give me some more power there. I don't know. You you don't seem to like this anyway, so I'm a little sheepish about doing... Well, I mean, it's better if it's more, you know, vibrant. Okay, I'll give you more vibrancy. Hello, this is Opinionated, and this is Ben Schiller, and this is Danny Nelson, this is Anna Bedakova. Hi, everybody. Hey, guys. Anna and I are plotting your demise right now. I know, I know, I know. You've had it in for me for months. Anyway, we're going to actually talk about one of your marvelous stories today, though, Danny. So you should be happy to be here. And it is a fantastic story you published recently with your colleague, Tracy Wang. And it looks at the development of a whole DeFi ecosystem that turned out to be largely faked or fraudulent. Just tell us the background to this. It was a whole Sabre stablecoin protocol built upon the Solana blockchain. And it was largely faked. And how did this come about? Yeah, so what this story really is about is these two brothers. One, his name is Dylan. He's sort of the biz dev guy. The other is Ian. He's the coding guru. And these brothers created this stablecoin exchange in Solana land called Sabre. Sabre, for about a year now, it's had this whole ecosystem of different DeFi projects that were feeding into it in some way, either utilizing their tokens in a certain way or building stable coins on top of it or letting people exchange them in novel ways. And everyone in Solana land kind of knew that there were very similar little threads running through all these different projects, 11 in total. But no one fully understood the fact that all these supposedly independent projects were actually built by the same developer who names Ian McAlino. And Ian specifically created all these subordinate projects to Sabre that fed into it and double and triple counted the cryptocurrency value that was flowing through the system. And to create the perception of value around his main hustle, Sabre, he created all these fake identities or anonymous identities to build up different components of his empire. And then he used those identities to promote each other and to promote himself. And he would promote them. And there's this huge circle of work in what he has called a scheme to create what appeared to be an authentic and independent ecosystem, but was in reality himself pulling the strings all around. And he did it using anonymous profiles because in his words, he needed his ecosystem to, quote, look authentic. Now, I say in his words because I have come into possession of an unpublished blog post that he wrote when one of those projects called the Casio Stablecoin suffered an exploit and lost $52 million. And so in response to that, Ian wrote this tell-all that goes through his multiple personalities, his, quote, Anon army that he was using to pump up the value of his, I will quote, ideal DeFi ecosystem. 
and really, in my mind at least, to trick people into thinking that this was an authentic work of many people instead of the efforts of a single really prolific developer. It's like in Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment. It's the criminal has this kind of need to confess, almost like he's needing to get it off his chest and he's writing this blog post, even though he's not actually planning to publish it. Well, one important line from the blog post is, I'm writing this because it is inevitable that I will be found out. He put that in the blog post that he didn't publish. It was true because a lot of the developers and a lot of the investors in the Solana ecosystem knew this open secret that Ian Macalino was behind all these different projects that were feeding into each other. They didn't know the extent of it, but it was clear that there was something fishy about all these different anonymous accounts retweeting each other and shilling and how the files and how the code was very similar. So there were a lot of clues for informed observers that something was amiss. And this is no small amount of money, right? I mean, at one point, the entire Solana TVL was about 10.5 billion, you report in the piece. And his contribution was roughly 7.5 billion of that TVL. So, I mean, this was a, a pretty important project for the whole sort of viability or the appearance of viability for the Solana network. Total value locked or TVL, as we call it in crypto, it's really a metric that people use to gauge the popularity of different projects in simple terms. It's the total value of all of the crypto that is locked up in these different protocols. More complex, though, when you have protocols that build on top of each other and use each other's deposits, you can have a situation where $1 becomes two, and the double counting is what you'd call that. It's worth noting two things. One, that Solana continued to grow after September 21, which is about when the Sabre ecosystem was at its peak. But Sabre's apparent TVL of $7.5 billion, without getting too in the weeds of a very crypto-specific metric, that number was the result of money being double and triple and quadruple counted from one project to the next. Like if I have $1 in Sabre, well then Sabre has $1 and the big board says $1. But if I have $1 in Sunny, which is another Sabre ecosystem project, then I have $1 in Sunny, and Sunny also puts that dollar into Sabre. So now my $1 is still $1, but it counts as $2. Now you multiply that by six, and all of a sudden, you have a whole lot more value that appears to be there than really is the case. Now this isn't unique to Sabre. Lots and lots of DeFi projects double count their deposits. But in Ian's own words, it doesn't look authentic if those projects are all being built by the same person. And so that's why he went ahead and created these seemingly independent projects to make it look like this value was more credible. I wonder, though, if that's the case. I mean, for the matter of double, triple, five times counting the same money, kind of visually inflating the value locked in these projects, is it that much different from the DeFi ecosystem on Ethereum or maybe on Binance Smart Chain, where you have also the, the same money, you know, put in a different protocols, you know, wrapped and staked again and so and so on? What do you think, Danny? Why it even matters? Something similar happened with this part of Solana ecosystem. But in this case, we had all this multitude of projects created by the same person. Does it matter substantially for the whole problem that these were the same people creating all that? Well, you're right. This is not specific to Solana. Double counting shows up everywhere. There are lots of different DeFi protocols on every chain that recycle deposits, if you will, and that have higher TVL 
because of it. That is to some people a problem, but it's not some outlier. The problem is that this guy knew that he wanted to have a high TVL. He called it a vanity metric that he hated, but he knew it was in his interest to have a high TVL. And so in his own words, he went about a way to game the system. So he deliberately played his cards in a secret way to have more value. And that's what the real problem is, because he knew that there was this weakness in the system and he created a way to exploit it. That is, in my opinion, the bigger problem that comes before the deeper question of whether or not TVL is a good metric to use in crypto. Right. Let's just talk about the kind of reporting method that you used for this story, because it's quite interesting. And we were talking before we came on air, and you were saying, you know, although we discovered and we kind of found this story, we investigated the story, to some extent, it was kind of already known within the community. And this is kind of quite interesting within investigative journalism. Generally, they're kind of these kind of stories that are kind of incohate and people sort of know bits of without some journalists actually putting it all together. And, and it's, it's more of a case here of you putting it all together than it being completely unknown. So to what extent was this kind of known in the industry? And to what extent was it kind of like an open secret and people were investing anyway? On the retail level, it was not too well known. There were some people who kind of guessed at the truth correctly on the retail level, but it was not an open secret to that extent. Where it was really everyone sort of knew and was looking the other way was in the Solana developer community and in the investor class. That was the perception that I found. A lot of people seemed to know different bits and pieces of this story. Tracy and I have been following this story since maybe April. We heard stories about one developer who would go on a Zoom call with one Anon and Ian would show up, another developer who would see the eight different Telegram accounts that were all run by the same person cycle through, like one would come on, then go off and write, then another would come on. The tweets were all within minutes of each other from these anonymous accounts. The signs were there for people who wanted to look at them. The developers, lots of them seemed to know or seemed to understand that there was something not right about the Sabre ecosystem. I mean, do you think it's reasonable to suppose that there might be other similar situations out there? I kind of love this story because in the words of some rando on Twitter, you have to hand it to these guys. It's not every day where we get a new kind of crypto scam. And this one's rather novel in that respect. So I appreciate that. I don't know of another instance where this is happening. But with anonymity comes the ability to do this, right? So I have to imagine that there are other protocols out there that are built by the same person under different pseudonymous profiles. If that's a problem or not, I don't think it's my place to say. I think that it only becomes in the public's interest to know that the same person is behind multiple identities when that person is acting in a, I guess you could say, a malicious way or a way that they know they're acting to sidestep norms. And I think that is definitely the case here. Yeah. Because this guy wanted to use these profiles to make his project appear more valuable. Hey, this is Eleanor Paul, associate producer at Coindesk Podcasts. If you like this show, we'd love to hear from you. Shout us out on your socials or email us at podcasts at coindesk.com. Want to hear more crypto news and analysis? Head over to the Coindesk Podcast Network to listen to The Breakdown with NLW 
as he fuses daily news pieces to build a larger narrative explaining the power shifts in crypto, politics, markets, and more. Or check out the Coindesk Reports feed for Money Reimagined with Sheila Warren and Michael Casey as they explore the connections between finance and human culture with high-profile guests. If you want to hear about crypto, Coindesk has got you covered. Now back to the show. So, I mean, there was a kind of an internal debate when we were reporting this story, or you were reporting it and we were putting it out, as to whether we should respect this guy's anonymity, because it is policy here at Coindesk, unlike many media organizations, to respect people's anonymity, unless there's a really good reason not to respect it. And we found, in this case, there was reason not to respect it, because this guy was basically ripping people off. So just talk about, you know, I mean, it does seem like faking it till you make it is kind of a nostrum of, of the tech and kind of American culture anyway. And it seems like anonymity kind of allows people to kind of do that much more easily within crypto. But in this case, we weren't respecting that right that this person would normally have. Wait, but was anybody ripping others off? The term ripping others off is a loaded one. And I used the word scam earlier. I'm not saying that these guys were running a scam, but they were presenting this ecosystem as being not what it was. So There was a token. People would buy the token. The token has dropped 99% since its top, which RIP. It's not because I have any evidence that they were selling the top or dumping on retail or anything like that. But people were buying into this because they thought that the smart contracts were audited. They thought that the developers were independent. They thought that the developers would stick around. They thought all these things that were wrong. And in that respect, people are being ripped off. But to get to the question about respecting anonymity, you're right, we do have a pretty high bar at Coindesk. We don't just go around doxing people just because we know who they are. There has to be a very good reason. And in this case, because anonymity is so important to crypto and the idea that you can use an anonymous profile to build and to build without being known, well, that only works if you're being honest with the world about it. And this guy was very clearly acting dishonestly. And that's when our desire to respect anonymity kind of falls away. Well, I would say if he managed to fake it until he made it, nobody would mind it, right? Coming back to your piece, then it all came down because there was this multi-million dollar hack. What was hacked? Cashio was hacked. Cashio was a stable coin. So the platform got hacked, people lost their money, and then... The founder felt the desire to explain himself and wrote that never published blog post that you mentioned in your piece. And this is why we know it was all the same person. And this is why it matters, right? Because the whole thing eventually fell down. And in this case, you know, maybe the only real problem with founding multiple projects under different pseudonyms is that this system is less resilient and more prone to exploits and hacks. Because if you make the same mistake in several projects, the whole system would be more fragile. Otherwise, you know, who cares if the founder is anonymous? Who cares if several projects have the same founders, right? If they're successful, if they're working, I would think nobody would care in crypto. Or maybe I'm wrong. Well, no, I think you're right. I think, you know, if everything works smoothly and the effort and carefulness that is necessary for multi-million dollar projects to not flop is put into this, then yeah, I guess it's not going to be a problem, right? But the issue here is that that didn't happen. Like with Cashio, Cashio's code was rushed for a deadline because 
This guy wanted to make it ready for the big Solana industry conference. He wanted to have this ideal that he could pitch to other people. As a result, he rushed the code. He did not audit the smart contracts. He later writes, I should have had the smart contracts audited. I didn't because I was rushing to a deadline. And so he didn't put in the effort to fake it till he made it. He left a lot of really silly vulnerabilities on the table because he was so overstretched from trying to get these things out the door. But more importantly, in my mind, you know, it's all well and good if someone is building these systems anonymously. But if you're doing it deliberately because you know that you can personally have a better outcome, if you're doing this anonymously than doing it under your own name, if you're doing it so that you can game the system, then I think there's always going to be a problem with that because the desire there is to trick the system, right? And so I don't think that we should give people who have a desire to trick the system and manage to do it successfully a pass. It just so happens that if they manage to do it successfully, then there will be less downside for those who bought into the lies of their ecosystems. Right. So just take this story forward then. So these, uh, these guys, these brothers, what are they doing now? I mean, have they gone to prison? Are they talking to the authorities? Are they doing other projects? What's their life look like now? Well, I can't speculate on any legal issues at stake in this story, but they have largely moved on from the Solana ecosystem. They now run a venture capital fund that is very bullish on Aptos, which is an up-and-coming blockchain that is staffed with former members of Facebook's Libra DM team. So they're really bullish on that ecosystem. And from their own statements to their users on Discord, their pseudonymous developers, aka themselves, are as well, which was just very funny for me to see Ian writing in the Discord about how one of those pseudonymous accounts that really was just him, how they're feeling about moving to a new ecosystem. There was a quote that he attributed to one of those developers, feels like early Solana all over again. Like it feels like at least before I wrote this story, that they were getting ready to at least explore the idea of doing this again and doing it on a different chain. So it's important, I think, for all of us to ask tough questions about anonymity. It's important as well to respect the desire in crypto to be anonymous. But if we're going to have these huge financial systems that are built using code from people who we can't hold personally accountable, then we need to have trust in those personas. And if we can't have trust in those personas, then what is this idea of anonymity to begin with? Like, you can be an anon, but you shouldn't just be able to stand up anonymous profile, ship code, and everyone just believes you. There should still be an effort to build credibility. And that is something that was completely lacking in this situation. Well, technically, an open source code can be audited independently of its founder. The problem is not everyone can do that, <laughs> but there are professional people who can do that. I still don't see anonymity as a problem by itself. And a lot of Bitcoin developers are anonymous too. Nobody minds that. But do you see an issue though with creating anonymous profiles to game a system? Because that's different. It's a different question. Like this guy wasn't creating anonymous profiles to hide from the law or to hide from you know, social repercussions. He was creating anonymous profiles to in his words, devise a scheme to game the system. There's this idea, it's a little complicated, but there's this idea in computer networks of the Sybil attack, when one computer node creates fake identities to attack and overwhelm the system. 
And in this instance, you have something like a social civil attack where one developer is creating multiple identities to undermine the system. And they're doing it because they know that they will not be successful if they do it under their own name. So I think that's a very different issue than someone who just wants to build without having the risks of their own name associated with it. They will have any number of reasons that they want to do that, but it's not going to be because they want to game the system. Do you think this whole constellation of projects wouldn't be as successful if people knew they were all created by the same person? For me, it's not obvious that people would be, oh, oh no, he created this and he created that. As long as the project was successful, everybody would be cheering like, yeah, you, you go, man, you created all this good stuff. We're making money on it. Thank you. Yeah. I would still shift the focus a little more to paying attention to right things. Like, I totally agree that the total value locked is a very manipulative metric. Maybe it's useful to value the locked in one particular project, but if you aggregate it across the system, there will be this trap when you double, triple count the same money. Yeah. And, you know, maybe this isn't a hack of the system, right? Like if code is law in crypto, then when someone is doing a smart contract exploit, well, in a sense, they were just doing the things necessary that the smart contract was set up to do Yeah. in order to achieve an outcome. Is that a hack? Is that an exploit? Sure. In the sense of the people who lose money because of it, but maybe it's just because code is law. <laughs> well, in this case, you know, that's a very extreme point of view. Maybe we shouldn't hold this guy accountable because we all know that TVL is very gameable. He knew it. And so he went out to game it. Is that a hack? Does that show us a flaw in his system? Or does that show us a flaw in the greater system of the metric? For me, it 100% shows the flaw in the whole logic of evaluating crypto projects. And the whole logic of people picking the winners and putting their money in projects they barely understand. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like to balance off the kind of right to anonymity, you have the kind of self-correction of the open source system, i.e. people can know that someone is acting badly or unscrupulously, and there will be some self-correction there. But it doesn't seem to have happened in this case, right? And it doesn't seem to be any kind of penalty or accountability for this guy who has clearly misled people. Well, it's too early to tell, right? We're one week out from the story. These brothers are at Korea Blockchain Week. I do not believe that they ended up speaking in person as was the original plan. You know, I can't speculate on that, but I can only imagine they weren't excited to face questions. Time will tell how people judge what's right and what's wrong about creating these systems. But at the very least, this whole story makes it clear to me that we all need to ask more questions about the projects that we're involving ourselves with and the metrics by which we're judging the success of those projects. And if DeFi is going to work without being subject to the rules of the old systems, then there has to be some sort of accountability, even in systems where there's anonymity. Danny, can I just ask you very quickly, what is your sort of number one takeaway from this? My long-term takeaway is that I'm very concerned that this was such an open secret and no one did anything about it. Right. Well, Danny, congratulations, uh, along with Tracy Wang, who was the co-author on this story. Fantastic job and very revealing. And as you say, lots of lessons to be learned here and uh, things to look out for in the future as we ride another DeFi wave. Thank you, Danny Nelson. And thank you, Anna Bedakova, for doing this. And I think we're going to wrap this up now. Yep. Thank you. It's great to look under the hood of things. Absolutely. This has been another episode of Opinionated. I'm Ben Schiller, and thanks very much for listening. Bye. Bye.
Bye. <laughs> what? What are you laughing at? That iconic bye. moment of the show when me and Danny say bye. <laughs> Coindesk is calling all visionaries in the digital economy to present at its newest event, Ideas, or Investing in Digital Assets and Enterprise Summit. Ideas is the place for you to present your market opportunity in front of leading investors poised to help you get your idea off the ground. Apply to become a presenter at Ideas 2022 at Coindesk today. Visit coindesk.com slash ideas for more information. You've been listening to Opinionated with Ben Schiller, Anna Batakova, and Danny Nelson. This episode has been produced and edited by Eleanor Paul with announcements by Michelle Mousseau. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, Opinionated, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.